Welcome aboard. It's episode 45 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. So great to have you here. My name is Brent Axe. How'd you land here on this sports podcast adventure? Did you find us on Syracuse.com? That's fantastic. Did you get here via social media? Loving that. I'll tell you what, though, the easiest way to make sure you're getting the fresh episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast, subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, find Syracuse Sports, hit that subscribe button, and then we've got a new episode up. It comes right to you wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. We are on SoundCloud as well. We we will soon be on Spotify as well. So plenty of ways to find us here. Any way you got here today, we greatly appreciate that. Past episodes recently include, I hung out with Mike Powell, of course, the former Syracuse lacrosse player, but his life has taken on a much different direction lately. He is a recording artist and a damn good one as well. His new album is called Shelter Without Walls. Mike went through it with us in detail. He played a couple of songs off the album. And sure, we went down memory lane a little bit and talked some lacrosse with Mike as well. Had Scott Hansen on from the NFL Network a couple weeks ago. Really enjoyed that conversation. I think you'll really enjoy his Coach Mack stories, his time at Syracuse, how he was kind of the Rudy of the Syracuse football team, and life on the NFL Red Zone channel, one of the great inventions in modern sports history. Bob Costas, heard of that guy. He joined me on the Syracuse Sports Podcast Oh, it's about a couple months ago, but still a conversation I think you'll want to hear, particularly his stories of being a minor league hockey announcer in Syracuse. So it's all there. Check out our iTunes page, and you can listen back to all of the recent episodes. This episode today, I had a conversation with Alex Bono, the former Syracuse University goaltender, now with Toronto FC, could be with the U.S. men's team at the World Cup. He was back recently for his own bobblehead day at Syracuse University, and Syracuse soccer is in a pretty interesting spot right now. They just beat the number one team in the country, Wake Forest, on Friday. They're having a good season, so we talked to Alex about what Syracuse soccer could be, the struggles of Toronto FC this year. A year ago, his team won the MLS Cup. 2018 has been a rough year in Toronto. How's he been navigating that, and what does Alex like to do when he gets to kick back, come home, and hang with his parents where they still live in Baldwinsville? So you'll hear that conversation coming up, and it's one I think you'll really enjoy. Alex is a great dude. For now, though, let's go over some things with the Syracuse football team, because here we are at the midway point, and Syracuse has a bye week. If you're Dino Babers, you couldn't ask for a better spot than right here, right now, for a bye week, not only because of the even split, but maybe Syracuse needs a little break to reassess right now. And one of the big concerns you have here at the halfway point with this team is their run defense, and we'll get to that here in a moment. But I think this 4-2 and record for the Syracuse football team presents the classic glass half full, glass half empty scenario. Now, if I had told you before the season that this would be a 4-2 football team at the halfway mark, I'm going to assume a majority of you would take that, given Syracuse's struggles the last two years. Now, those struggles have come on the back end of the schedule. Syracuse could be 6-0, but let's be realistic. This is college football. Things happen particularly when you're playing at a place like Death Valley, to see how Clemson came back in that football game with Travis Etienne, who I really think deserves a little more Heisman consideration. Yes, Tua, and yes, you got Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, but if Travis keeps having the year at Clemson he's having, as a Heisman voter, I'm going to give him some serious consideration for this award. All right, so the Clemson game aside, could be 6-0. This team should be 5-1. 
I know the rain delay at Pittsburgh. I know it's a conference game. I know that college football doesn't go according to a script. You can throw all the cliches at me. That's a team you got to beat. Pittsburgh is not a very good football team. They've got a great running back who took advantage of Syracuse's weak run defense. They played their butts off. They took advantage of the rain delay and all sorts of circumstances in that game. Bottom line, this should be a 5-1 and one football team. And should they be 5-1, and one, they are in the top 25. A top 25 football team for the first time since 2001. Syracuse was three spots away from getting into the poll. Now, I voted them in last week as an AP voter. They legit would have been in this week because four spots opened on the back end of the poll. So Syracuse takes a step back there. Syracuse's run defense, let's face it, has been pretty poor the last two games against Clemson and Pittsburgh. And that's not to take anything away from Etienne, who we mentioned, or Quadre Olison, who's a terrific running back for Pittsburgh. But Syracuse is making it way too easy on these running backs, which is a concern for this team down the stretch because even average running games if they can break through that first wall which is not an easy thing to do by the way on that Syracuse defense as we'll talk about here momentarily but if you can break through that first wall and make those linebackers make plays checkmate you've got Syracuse there the biggest thing on the to-do list for Dino Babers for Brian Ward for Vince Reynolds for this entire coaching staff offense and defense mostly on defense though is to figure out a way to hide Syracuse's weakness. And their weakness is their linebackers. That's not to say that Kylan Whitner and Andrew Armstrong and Ryan Guthrie don't make plays here and there. They certainly do. It's not for lack of effort, but these guys just don't have it right now. They're missing tackles. They're out of position. They're getting pushed away. Syracuse, listen, Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett were on a team that went 4-8. and eight. We kind of build them up maybe bigger than they were. But there was a presence there with Franklin and Bennett and Jonathan Thomas a year ago. And that's unfair to compare this group to that group. But that's what's missing right now. That's what they need to find in the bye week. The linebackers need to have a presence. The other big thing that concerns me about Syracuse right now is the fourth quarter. And I think you know a lot of what we just said certainly applies there. But it's not just the defense. It's the offense getting off the field too quickly. It's Eric Dungey making questionable decisions. That overtime play where he threw on first down into double coverage in the Pittsburgh game. You can't do that. Eric is a senior leader now. He's got to prove that he's not just a gunslinger. Eric Dungey's spirit, we shall say, Eric Dungey's willingness to make that play is admirable, and I think his team rallies behind him, and let's face it, this team is not 4-2 and two without him. They don't have a shot in either the Clemson or the Pittsburgh game without him, and they don't have the four wins they have without him, okay? Let's be straight about that. Eric Dungey is clearly this team's quarterback, as much as some people are starting to, let's say, louder and louder call for Tommy DeVito to get some more shots. I don't agree with that. But Eric Dungy's got to make smart decisions. And that throw that he made off of Pittsburgh scoring, knowing you've got to score and match them, or if you want to go for two and take the lead, not a smart play there. Fourth quarter decisions, run defense, those are the big concerns for Syracuse football right now. Certainly they could use a number one wide receiver, and I think Jamal Custis has proven he could be that. Maybe you get a little bit more from the running game, but that's something I'm encouraged about as you look at the second half of the season. I think that Jarvian Howard is proven to be a huge red zone weapon, somebody that Syracuse can count on, and I'm going to go back to this word. He has presence when he's on the field. That's a guy you don't mess with. There's that great picture that came out of the pit game where he ran over a defender and the helmet went flying. Howard has proven to be a freshman sensation, and that's a big thing that I really liked from the first half of the season. 
Howard, Trill Williams, Andre Sisco, Taj Harris, Andre Schmidt, the kicker on this team. The list goes on and on. Freshmen, young players that are coming in and making an impact and making contributions. Not only is that good for this team this year, that's good for recruiting because players are noticing that they've got an opportunity to play and play right away at Syracuse. Special teams has been amazing for the Syracuse football team. They actually got outdone by Pittsburgh, and I just tip my cap to them, certainly for that. For their field goal kicker, hitting a 55, a 52, and a 45-yarder. But Andre Schmidt has been a godsend. He's only missed one field goal in the first half of the season. He's made all his extra points. And not only is he making field goals, he's making them from distance. A 54-yarder against Pitt. He's got a few 50-yarders this year. He is making them on grass, on the road, in bad weather, and of course, in the Carrier Dome. It's not just Andre Schmidt, though. Sterling Hoffrichter is proving to be an NFL talent as a punter, and that's important. Field position is important in the game of football. Syracuse is one of the top special teams units in the country. I mentioned the weakness on defense. Let's look at the strength of the defense. Alton Robinson, Kendall Coleman, and Chris Slayton have been brilliant this year. They're getting after the quarterback. They're all drawing double teams, particularly Slayton at this point, but it is Robinson who has really stood out. He is around the quarterback all the time. He's disrupting plays. He's forcing turnovers. Syracuse has forced 15 turnovers in the first half of the season, which is just below Florida, who leads the country in that department. So that has been huge for this defense, and it's something they're going to have to continue in the second half of the season to make up for the faults of the linebackers. But while they're struggling, that front four, particularly those three names that I mentioned, have have simply been amazing. So what beholds Syracuse? So what awaits Syracuse in the second half of the season? I wish I could get in my flying DeLorean with Doc Brown and tell you. I do know they'll play North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, Louisville on a Friday night, Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium, and finish the season at Boston College. That's three home games, UNC and NC State back-to-back, and Louisville on Friday, November 9th. Two on the road, at Wake Forest and at Boston College to close out the year, and then one neutral site game. How neutral will it be, though? Will more Notre Dame fans invade Yankee Stadium, or will the Orange fans show up and counter the Irish fans that will be cheering hard for their team? Syracuse has finished 4-8 in consecutive seasons. Syracuse is 4-2 at the halfway mark. Another 4-8 season would simply be unacceptable. Anything under 500, I think, would be unacceptable. At the beginning of the season, we all said we would take 6-6 in a bowl game no matter what. Do you still feel that way, Syracuse fans? We're about to find out. Now, my conversation with Toronto FC, U.S. Men's National Team, and former Syracuse soccer goaltender, Baldwinsville native, Alex Bono. So we're here with Alex Bono, and Alex, you had a big night at Syracuse. I've got to ask you, where does your own bobblehead rank in the list of accomplishments in in the Alex Bono uh, life so far? That's pretty cool, man. It is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And it actually looks... Really, you know, it's pretty close. It's it's really really well it? done. They got I've it. Se- I've seen some that aren't so close. Pretty close to spot on. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. They did a nice job with it. It's uh, it's exciting for me. It's exciting for me. You go to I used to go to Sky Chiefs games and get bobbleheads when I was a kid and crunch games and whatever. And that's really exciting. And you're like, wow, you know, these guys must love having a bobblehead. That's so cool. It's yeah. so funny. And then uh, I actually get one today, and I was telling my you know my Toronto coach about it, and I was saying, you know, listen. <laughs> 
Yeah, he says, okay, if I go back to Syracuse, you know, they're doing a bobblehead night for me. And we kind of laughed about it. He's like, no, it's actually, you know, congratulations. It's actually really cool. And How could they not let you come in? Right? <laughs> you have to go and, uh, yeah. you know, take some pictures with your own bobblehead. So um, I, I was excited to see it. And uh, it is special for me. It is a, a special experience to be able to kind of see that. It's almost like a little statue, you know, <laughs> in a way. And uh, it's special to me. It's a, it's a commemorative thing. How many family members have requested something? <laughs> Too many. You know, there's limited stock. I told them there's limited stock. We're going to see how many we can get, and, you know, we'll pass them around after that. But uh, they're in high demand among the family, that's are for we, sure. Are we beyond a box? Are we into multiple boxes here? Or? We're into – listen, we're in – right now the stock's at to 20. Uh, we're coming up awfully close on, on, on sellouts wow. on that. So, wow. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're at max capacity. So as excited as you were, I'm sure mom and dad were more excited. Mom and dad, yeah. I, it's a common theme now that – Whenever something exciting happens, it's it's a guarantee that mom and dad are way more excited than I am. And <laughs> <laughs> that's just kind of being the proud parent, and, and I'm so grateful for their unwavering support. And, you know, they're always there to, to be behind me and, and watch me play, which is uh, which I'm very grateful for. But um, they're definitely excited. They definitely get excited about all that that proud parent stuff. And, and bobblehead night is is absolutely no exception. It's uh, it's right right in the middle. It's the key um to their excitement so you picked a great time to come back not only for bobblehead night which is always cool but this soccer program just beat wake forest Mm -hmm. on friday number one team in the country and you know you look at it and you know soccer seems like a sport here that's got nothing but room to grow Mm -hmm. right so when you look at a kind of big picture what what can syracuse soccer be how far can can this program go because a win like that you know that that sends a big message yeah for sure it's it sends waves across the college soccer world that listen there's there's a university in central new york that over the last eight years has really been on the come up you know from uh you know the year before i came here they had a rough year and then after that that we've had nothing but winning seasons and uh a lot of tournament appearances. We've sent, you know, I want to say about 10, 10 guys to the professionals in that amount of time. And uh, that's, you know, especially for this program, that's that's unheard of. And the fact that Ian McIntyre's come in here and totally changed the culture of, of Syracuse soccer, this program has been and will continue to be, I'm sure, uh, a national contender every single year. And that's exciting. And like you said, this, this area of the country, soccer – has nothing but room to grow in. Uh, to have a program that is exciting, to have a program that has the Syracuse University name attached to it, uh, it's special to have here. And it's amazing. The the crowds they get here are, are pretty good. And the support they have in the community is fantastic. And the university, uh, they really tend to like what what's going on with Mac and, and the soccer team. So it's a really exciting time for them, and they've done a, an absolutely fantastic job of getting this this program on the map. I think you and I have talked about this before, but it's mm-hmm. worth circling back on here. I would imagine coming out of Beeville, you had some opportunities to play for some other mm-hmm. schools, leave Central New York, mm-hmm. and kind of go see what was out there. But why here? Why did you want to play for Syracuse? Listen, I was, I was born and raised in Syracuse, New York, and Syracuse University athletics are <laughs> – it's in my blood. It really is in my blood, basketball, football. Uh, anything you know, any jersey that's got orange and blue on it that uh, that plays on campus here, I, I support and I always have. So uh, it's exciting, and um, for me, it's just to be able to, you know, I wanted to have a good mix of academics and athletics, and I brought bought into what Mac was doing here, 
Uh, he was new to the program, and I really thought that he had a good outlook for the future. Um, I studied broadcasting. Obviously, our Newhouse school is uh, second to none you know, across the country. So to be able to get a mix of both of those while also being able to stay in the city that I love uh, and continue to grow as a person and as a player, uh, it was a no-brainer for me. It was an absolute no-brainer for me, and, and if I could go back and do it all again, I wouldn't change a thing. Alex, I know that it hasn't been the best season for you guys up in Toronto to, to transition a little bit to your MLS season and what's mm-hmm. going on with, with Toronto FC. I think what you're learning is sports, right? Mm-hmm. The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, the ups and downs that can come with it. Last year, of course, you guys won the Cup, and it was it couldn't be higher, right? And it was back-to-back mm-hmm. Cups for Toronto overall. As best as you can, take me through the struggles here in 2018. You know what, what what's happening with this team as you guys get ready to unfortunately miss the postseason, and, and you're coming down the home stretch here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you definitely. You know, we were in a competition beginning of the year that was Concacaf Champions League, and uh, we were going against the best teams from all over North America, not just you know U.S. and Canada. So we were traveling to Mexico a lot, playing Mexican teams, which traditionally uh, the Mexican league is the powerhouse league in this in this area of the world. Um, so when you go down and you get to play Mexican teams in Mexico, tough environment, rough crowds, uh, playing conditions are tough. You know, you're talking altitude, you're talking heat, uh, in February, you know, so we're talking in Toronto, it's still, these teams come up to play us and we have the advantage because it's freezing cold. We're used to it. We, we like that cold air and, uh, and they can't stand it, you know, and then we go down there and 10 minutes in, you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to catch your breath because that altitude's killer. So. Uh, it was a very draining competition. We made it all the way to the finals. We lost some penalty kicks. So, uh, in the process of that that tournament, we we picked up a ton of injuries. We picked up a ton of injuries at center back, and uh, throughout the season, we've we, you know we've really had the injury bug for for most of it, and that's been a real you know tough loss for us. And then obviously there's a sort of, there's a sort of complacency that goes along with you know the year after you win a, ter- a championship, you want to come in, you want to replicate that, and. Uh, you know you have the ability to replicate that, and that in the back of your mind you can't let that uh, that complacency creep in. And, and I think at times this year uh, we kind of expected that it was going to happen and, and didn't quite execute. So uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's growing pains for me as a player and and for us as a team uh, to be able to go through a season like this and and learn from it and take the lessons along with me and uh, do my best to limit them in the future. You know, every athlete, every team, every great team has dips in form. Every great team has bad seasons. Every player has has you know makes mistakes, uh, has good games, has bad games. And for me, it's about how you take those experiences and how you use them uh, in the future to make sure that you limit them and uh, and you make keep those good times rolling. You mentioned you know the growing pains that come with it. Learning as a player, you know, when you're going through a season like this individually and the team is is struggling as well. Do you find yourself going back to basics? Do you find yourself saying, what was working for me a year ago? Like, what's the process there? How do you try and, you know, to steal a phrase from Bill Belichick, do your job and, mm-hmm. and stay focused, but also, you know, you're, you're trying to fix some things for sure. that aren't going so well. What's, what's sure. that process like for you? Yeah, for me, it's definitely a back to the basics thing. When, uh, when you're on a high, for me, it's very easy to get away from uh, sticking to your, you know, your technique and, and your basics. And for me, as a goalie, it's keeping your hands up. Making sure your feet are, you know, uh, in the right positions, and and your footwork is all clean and, and tidy and that sort of thing, and uh, sticking with those basics is what allows you to continue making progress. But I feel though sometimes is when you're on a high, uh, you tend to start playing outside of yourself. You tend to think that you're 
you can make plays that are really not your play to make and that you uh, you're trying to fit balls into areas that aren't you know that the ball shouldn't be going to and uh, when those things happen for me what I do is I definitely stick to my basics I uh, relax myself it can be frustrating but um, for me as a professional athlete and as a, as a goalie you have to have a you know you have to lose things quickly in a way. You have to make sure that after a mistake, uh, the next play's coming, the next game's coming, the next training session's coming. And these are all things that over the course of a season can you can get caught up in. So for me, it's, listen, lose your memory fast, uh, get on to the next play. You know, you're there for a reason. You're, you have this ability for a reason. And uh, to an extent, you can't let uh, one mistake or... Uh, you know, one bad game pile on and, and become a season. I was reading that you were doing some meditation mm -hmm. to help out. Is mm -hmm. this, you know, give me a, a picture of what that is because I picture you in a room going, mm -hmm. <laughs> like what, is it visualization? You know, what, what kind of meditation uh, yeah, there's, are, you, are you doing? There's different types of meditations. And for me, uh, you know, if I have trouble sleeping, I'll do this thing called a body scan where uh, it's all about visualizing the, your breath going through your body and just kind of releasing your tensions and that sort of thing. I haven't and, been sleeping well lately. I might steal that from Try you. it. Yeah. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> uh, and then there's, you know, there is the, the visualization. You're visualizing yourself on the field and you're, you know, visualizing yourself making saves, taking good touches, making good plays. And, uh, and that translates. And you almost, uh, what ends up happening is you visualize things that you've done well in the past that stick with you. Rather than just making up plays in your mind that you have never done, you tend to go back to ones that you've, you've seen before and ones that you've been successful in before. And when you continue to remind yourself of these these plays that you've made that you've had the ability to make when that a similar play comes up in the game it's almost going to be that muscle memory that it's in the back of your head that I've, I've seen this before I've seen this play before I've seen this shot before and uh for me that's priceless and, the, and for me the way to grow yourself as a player is to watch that video to remember those plays good or bad that um that can really help you learn and, and grow to the next level. You've also been calling your dad before every game, right? Yeah. He's got to be loving that. Since college. Since college. So this Since has been year. a normal routine. Oh, yeah. Every game I go out and walk the field, and uh, we have a phone call, and he gives me some last kind words and you know some words of wisdom for the game. Nothing too tactical. You know, he's a <laughs> he hasn't been a soccer guy until, you know, I got to Syracuse, really. So, um, yeah, so just some kind words of wisdom and uh, stick to your guns, play within yourself, that kind of stuff. Just – uh, some last-second motivation and some last-second uh, fatherly advice. Uh, this is a quick trip, a quick trip home for you. But mm -hmm. you know, when you do come home and you get to, you know, take a breath a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, back in Bevo with mom and dad, what are the things that you like to do? Honestly, I I stopped home this morning and uh, first thing I did is I put my bag down. I walked out to the back deck and just kind of opened the door and just kind of breathed that, you know, that fresh central New York air that uh, <laughs> you don't quite get when you're living in a city. You know, I got off the highway and I put the windows down and I said, it's just, it's different here. <laughs> you know, it's different here. And uh, there's nothing better. You know, there's a familiarity when you go home and you get to lay on the carpet or lay on the couch or watch TV in the living room that you grew up in and sit on the back deck and just kind of enjoy what is beautiful weather right now for, for this time of year that, uh, you know, obviously we can't take Winter will be here next week. So I know. Enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By then I'll be back up and it's already winter up there. <laughs> that's so. right. That's right. Um, but yeah, just coming home and seeing family, hanging out and seeing friends that are, that are still around the area is, uh, I like to keep it low key when I come back. I like to keep it relaxed, uh, try to keep things off my plate and just, um, you know, get back some family time. I, I, I see them a lot cause they come up to Toronto, but it's always good to, 
to come back to, to my home and, and come back here to Central New York and, and just hang out. Okay, now that being said, what's life like in Toronto for you, in the big city? How passionate are those fans up oh, there? Yeah. You kind of set the scene for me, not only sports-wise, but that's an amazing city in so many different ways. Unbelievable city. The The fan support is, is incredible. And listen, if you're a, if you're a competitive team in your respective sport and, and you play in Toronto, your fans are they're behind you. They're diehards. They're every game, no matter what the weather. You know, we played MLS Cup at home December 10th last year, and there were 30,000 fans in you know zero degree weather. And that's just <laughs> that's the way they are in Toronto. They'll you know your team has a chance to win a championship. They're going to be there, um, and that's for all the sports. You know, Maple Leafs fans are are a different breed. They're crazy and they're critical. Uh, but when you win, when <laughs> You know, when you give those fans that that winning feeling, there's a they've been waiting for a couple. There's a time. mortalization yeah. that that comes along with that yeah. <laughs> among Toronto fans. So, uh, no, the city as a whole, obviously, the sports scene's incredible. The city as a whole is just an unbelievable city to live in. It's clean, it's friendly, it's big enough where, uh, you know, you can go to a different restaurant every day and and get different food every day, and it's small enough where you can walk one block off a of main street and you feel like you're in a little secluded neighborhood and. Uh, that's very rare to find in the big city for me, and uh, I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to to live in Canada and uh, to play my trade in Toronto and and grow along with the city. And uh, it really is an incredible city. Anyone who's lived in other big cities and moves to Toronto says, "Wow, you know, this is uh, that other big city was great. You know, New York's great, LA's great, uh, Paris is great, but Toronto is where it's at. Toronto is definitely where it's at." Alex, uh, you are one of the leading goaltenders in the history of Syracuse University. You are a, a MLS Cup winner. You played for the U.S. men's soccer team, but a bobblehead. Like, that that could take the cake. It's up there. So it's top three for sure. Enjoy your time. Definitely. It's great to catch up with you. Best of luck Always. going forward here. We'll catch up again soon, but thanks for joining us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for listening to episode 45 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Don't forget, do us a solid. Hit that subscribe button in iTunes and Google Play so you get new episodes sent right to you when they are available. We're also available on SoundCloud. You can find us on Syracuse.com, of course, and coming soon on Spotify. I'm Brent Axe. We'll talk to you next time.